Hello and welcome to this new edition of uh, Lowcast from the Nordics from DLA Piper. My name is Erik Woll and uh, with me here in the Oslo studio is uh, from Shanghai, China, Mr. Kiang Li, better known as LQ, uh, co-head of Asia uh, division of DLA Piper. And we have uh, Peter Neslund, uh, who is country managing partner for DLA Piper in Sweden, and Mr. Martin Lavesen, who is country managing partner for DLA Piper in Denmark. Our main topic uh, today is to discuss the current uh, trade war between China and uh, the US and how that trade war will impact on the relationship between uh, China and the Nordics. And uh, LQ, uh, how is uh, your description of the current situation from a Chinese perspective? Obviously, it's a very difficult situation. I think it was worse than what the Chinese expected. But the Chinese are not entirely taken by surprise because there has been a view in China that the deal struck between China and the U.S. in 1972 between Mr. Mao and Mr. Uh, President Nixon is due for an adjustment. Maybe people in China didn't quite expect this level of adjustment, but they can accept a certain level of adjustment. And it seems that China is more ready to strike a deal than the U.S. Uh, from the Chinese perspective, at least. And But there's a sense in China that the U.S. at this point is somewhat overreaching, and the U.S. is not really showing a strong desire to strike an immediate deal. So this trade war might uh, go on for a little bit. You said to me before we started that, that uh, every time something like this happens, uh, we in the West uh, tend to, to blame the Chinese. Are the Chinese to blame? Well, I think uh, you have to look at look at it from different angles. The Chinese probably feel very strongly that, you know, based on WTO rules, you know, bilateral treaties, they should not be the party to blame. But personally, I think there is also a cultural aspect to it. And you know, you might be surprised. I tend to often blame the Chinese for not speaking good enough English uh, so that we can't tell our story, especially in English. So we let Henry Kissinger tell our story for us. And now he's 96. We're freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Neslund, how do you view upon the current situation? Well, of course, it's uh, getting a little nervous when the two strongest economies in the world are, well, almost clashing together now in this in this trade war. Uh, what I can feel is that maybe it's typical from from the president of the United States now to go all in from the beginning. That would that is what we've seen several times now, and then he withdraws to actually strike this deal but uh, he it it seems that he's kind of scares china now from the beginning but um uh, i'm worried about uh, if it doesn't solve well we might see a recession in the global market and uh, that is of course not good martin lovesen uh, from a danish perspective well i think um uh, from a global perspective international trade is good so uh, when these two uh, big giants um have a trade war and and put off uh, put on tariffs uh, t- uh, that is not good uh, so obviously a lot of the big danish companies are very aware of this and therefore also talking to their advisors on how to deal with this i mean do um, do clients have to make adjustments 
do they have to set up buffer stocks uh, outside China or the States? Uh, we have uh, one of our big shipping companies, um, AP Miller Musk, who just um, had their annual accounts announced, and they in in that was said that they had to make adjustments. Some routes between Asia and North America were had to be suspended for the time being. So obviously it impacts and, and worries um, the business in Scandinavia. Are you concerned? I think, uh, as, as Peter is saying, uh, everybody hopes it will find a, a way to resolve. In some ways, I guess it makes sense for, for the U.S. to look at the, how to deal globally. But I think the way it has kind of escalated it gives cause for concern. But I... I also want to add that short term, we have big advantages like right now. Ericsson is one of our largest exports. To, they have 26% of, of their turnover in the U.S. And suddenly their competition, Hawaii, uh, are almost out and they increase immensely. So short term, there are opportunities and same thing goes in China. So, so we shall not only look at it in, in a bad way, being neutral as we always been. Peter, I think there is some element of truth in that. Certainly from the DLA Piper perspective, given uh, that the US has tightened up investment rules for Chinese companies to make acquisitions in the US, our China teams, the corporate teams, are doing far more deals in Europe than in the US. One great example is the Econes deal, which is closing very soon as we speak, you know, which was a public takeover by a Chinese furniture company of a publicly listed uh, Norwegian furniture company. Tell us a little bit, little bit more, LQ, about the Econes deal and, and how that became that success that it became. That, that was a very interesting transaction. I, I have to say, in the 21 years of me practicing law, this is certainly one of the most satisfying transactions because we started off approaching the Norwegian company and, and its board, and the reaction was very, very skeptical. They never heard of us. They didn't know what the experience would be like dealing with a Chinese buyer of a public company. It took a lot of persuasion, and uh, I have to say, when when we signed the deal, I, I actually my f- the first word that came to me was surreal. Uh, I I actually couldn't believe it actually happened, and you know we converted a very skeptical target company to we converted them into somebody who really embraced uh, the Chinese buyer uh, who had an amazing story to tell them because of his own success uh, in China and also his desire to collaborate with Nordic furniture designers, and he's been doing that for decades, and he's been following the Econet's operations for many years. So for him, it was almost like a dream come true to be able to become the new owner to Econet's, and he made a personal commitment to spend time in, in Norway, to buy a house here, to learn about the Econet's trade and to try to expand uh, the sales channels for Econet's in China because of the tie-up. So, so far, this deal has been received very well by the general public, by the management, by the board, and by the employees. We're very fortunate. His messages actually came through. What would be the best uh, subject for uh, Chinese uh, acquisitions uh, in Denmark, Martin? Well, I think if if you look at the Chinese acquisitions in the Nordic region just for the last seven, eight years, there has actually been several, uh, I think approximately 50 major deals. 
Um, the biggest um, in, in Denmark was uh, was last year, uh, where uh, a major um, Chinese company bought the majority of the shares in Saxo Bank, which is uh, a fairly big corporate finance bank in Denmark, for for eight hundred million dollars. Um, but but I think on a general note, I think what what the Chinese investors are mostly looking into is technology. Um, there's been a lot of technology t- takeovers uh, in the region. I think the biggest is Tencent that acquired a, a Finnish a gaming company a couple of years ago. But also in Denmark, and I think, I mean, what the what at least what we are experiencing is that the Chinese are looking for the brand, uh, very well-known brands that can be developed further in the Asian market, uh, some kind of a challenge to to move into to uh, nor- the Nordics and and uh, and Europe, and and following up on LQ's uh, story that was actually a couple of years ago, the the well-known Danish. Um, uh, audio brand uh, Bang & Olufsen, there was also a Chinese company that was trying to, to do a takeover of that and actually uh, acquired a lot of the shares from the stock exchange, but eventually didn't get enough and uh, and at the end of the day actually sold out again. So so I think t- technology um, will be the major player, but I think everywhere where Dan- the Danish companies has a very good brand, I think there could be interest for, for acquisition. And in uh, Sweden, you have the, the Volvo deal as a good example? Yeah, that's a fantastic example, I would say. And uh, and that has changed uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, how, in the ways we, we look at uh, China and we look at cooperation with China because that is really a proven fact to make a success out of it. And uh, now, uh, I mean, Volvo is, is a strong worldwide brand and... Uh, it's produced in Sweden and in China, and uh, it's uh, increasing all the time. So, but, it's, but will Volvo um, then uh, be uh, affected of, of of this trade war we are talking about now? In long term, bad way, but short term again, as I said before, not so bad, because uh, we're producing cars in Sweden still, and uh, selling them in to US and. Uh, well, then we don't have the competition uh, uh, from China in the same way. And also, since China are producing cars themselves with the Volvo brand, of course, that strikes against Volvo uh, with, with, uh, with this trade war. And you also mentioned uh, technology before. Yes, of course. Um, Which is a great uh, part of, of Swedish industry. Yeah, telecom uh, and uh, and high tech is. Uh, we always had uh, big companies, and Ericsson is is by far the largest uh, and uh, a world player on, on on the global market. I think it's hundred and ten thousand employees or something like that, and they are right now looking at an increase, a major increase actually, thanks to this trade war and the worries about that. But uh, sounds that, like the Swedes are happy about uh, the trade war. We, we're not. We're not. It's a short-term <laughs> happiness, and it will uh, not last. So, but uh, yeah. I spoke to one of one of the the higher executives of Ericsson uh, end of last week actually mentioning this and and he said well you can say that right now it's very good mm-hmm. <laughs> but you LQ you are not as uh, concerned uh, about the trade war as uh, I would have expected obviously you know I am um, uh, I'm pro-trade pro-investment as a law firm our business thrives on trade and investment Right now, 
uh, we don't see Chinese investment going to the U.S. Um, the, uh, there was some report that says the scale was down by 92% year on year. And 2017 was already a down year. But I guess from the law firm's perspective, part of the reason DLA Piper can weather uh, this trade war is we are a global organization, so we can do deals elsewhere and we can continue to get ourselves ready uh, for U.S. transactions when the market comes back. Certainly when I visit our U.S. offices, I mean, the partners that I talk to, everybody, nobody says, well, here's a trade war, nothing is going on between the two countries, I'm not going to talk to you. They're actually embracing me. They, they, want, they would love to hear about what's going on in China, what the Chinese perspectives are, the, what the Chinese views on Mr. Trump is. I don't see, I think the level of communication has sustained itself, uh, and we're just hoping that the activities will come back uh, sooner than later. We have, I think that's actually one of the big advantages of being a global law firm is that that Peter and I, for instance, sitting here in, in the, the Nordic region can get first-hand knowledge of the situation as it's it's reviewed by a, um, a professional in China. And, and our objective is obviously to provide advice to our clients, and that could also mean advice in uncertain times. So, so we get the ability to get to know, I mean, what is the situation? How can we look at it? Even though nobody can anticipate this, we can just give our best advice. And that's an opportunity we have because we are a global firm. Yes, and also uh, a strong Nordic uh, unit, uh, Peter, and that, that means a lot. Yeah, it means a lot, and uh, the, that is a concept that we have strengthened more than one year ago. We we got the Danish firm let aboard, and uh, which fulfilled the map of the Nordic region. And being uh, small countries, but still high technology and a lot of export, we, we, it's a it's a very good cooperation. Yeah. Going back to the trade war, LQ, what does it take to, to solve it, to, to, to end it? I'm afraid it might take a long time because um, you can tell that there is no, not enough trust between China and the U.S. at the moment, uh, which is really unfortunate. And I really wish the Chinese spoke more English <laughs> and learned more secrets of the Western societies, and which may result in us not being overly strident in our rhetoric uh, sometimes. But of course, it's a two-way street uh, in the end. And I think, you know, interestingly, there may be a role for the Nordic tribes to play. Uh, forgive okay. me for using the word tribe. <laughs> China <laughs> itself is a big tribe. Uh, I think the U.S. and China could do with a trusted middleman. And I think the um, Nordic countries may be in a unique position to take leadership in that and it will not be a role that will naturally, automatically fall onto the Nordic uh, countries. But with the right amount of leadership and drive, you can probably invent a role for yourself. Uh, and especially if the uh, the trade war becomes a protracted affair, you know, just like when uh, the Econis deal appeared like it would take a long time, they uh, the client could do with having... Uh, a few trusted advisors who did very well. We do indeed have uh, some candidates, don't we, Martin? To, I'm sure uh, you have a Henry Kissinger To be a, mother, uh, to, 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 to to be be a, a facilitator. Yeah. Yes, but I think uh, in some ways this is more a political issue. And even though we would like to advise on many issues, <laughs> uh, this might be a little more geopolitical. But I think we'll at least try to do our best. And just the, 
the the way the DLA Piper organization is set up is it kind of facilitates the the international understanding and the global knowledge, which which will be key in any way of of doing some kind of resolvement. But it is an interesting thought. I mean, the history uh, and tradition of arbitration, for example, in Sweden, uh, is uh, quite well reputed in China, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of arbitrations goes to to Stockholm actually in Chamber of Commerce and and uh, in the Nordic we we always negotiated and uh, uh, finally get along uh, even though maybe the Vikings uh, never that, that, that's all, so not always got that I remember <laughs> in the early days all the joint venture contracts uh, between China Chinese companies and US companies they all designated Stockholm as the mm-hmm. arbitration yeah. seat yeah. and the Chinese in those days couldn't really understand it because they would lump Sweden into the camp of Western countries, so they wouldn't necessarily see why Sweden would be such a neutral uh, venue. But I think over time they have they have come to they have come to the realization that the Nordics uh, is a is quite a special region, uh, you know, and the and the people here seem to command a lot of respect from um, both the U.S. and China. So you know, you can't rule that out. There might be a special role. What are the main challenges uh, in, in, in the current situation uh, doing business uh, towards China? Well, I think it is that you really don't know what's going to happen next. So it's hard actually to um, to predict what how things will happen. Um, I, I still think there will be some, uh, um, some good collaboration between Scandinavian companies and, and Chinese companies. But obviously everybody has a, a big focus on how the international and the global trade is affected because we're living in a global world today. So, um, so I think and that's, why, that's where we also as advisors have some kind of role to say how can you best uh, prepare for that. Peter? Uh, yeah, I agree to Martin on that. Uh, also, when when this trade war is over, because all wars end eventually, uh, and you usually end up finding new friends after that. And uh, now it's opening up because we can't just look at the U.S. any longer. We look at the Asian markets much more. And uh, I think... Uh, in the end, it, it will be uh, good and better opportunities instead. Well, from the Chinese perspective, I mean, obviously they worry about the trade war, but they, they, at the end of the day, they look at their own country and say, look, we have tens of millions of very hungry engineers. They have to do something. They can't just sit at home. And that in itself is a source of strength uh, for the economy. There will be some areas that will need to grow. China will probably uh, retrench a little bit. Maybe China will need to rely less on export. Uh, maybe we, uh, China will need to focus more on developing an internal consumer-driven market. That would obviously necessitate the bringing up of a new generation of highly educated uh, young people, which of course in itself is a challenge for a country like China, which at the moment is kind of relying on the rest of the world to educate our next generation. Uh, So all these things, they present challenges. Then there are also opportunities. When there are uncertainties, you know, that's when leadership Mm. can find a big role. Uh, So if you can be involved to shape the future, I think you position yourself better than others. Thank you very much for being here on the podcast, Mr. LQ of China, Mr. Neslund, Sweden, and Mr. Lovesen of Denmark. 
is now my pleasure to introduce Mr. Charlie Dent, a former U.S. congressman, now a senior policy advisor for DLA Piper, with us from Washington, D.C. And Mr. Dent, you have been listening to our conversation. What are your main perspectives on the current situation between China and the U.S.? Yeah, the, the situation as I see it between China and the United States is this. Uh, President Trump has, is fixated, some would say obsessed, uh, with the trade deficit with China, the American trade deficit with China, which, uh, you know, last I checked was uh, north of uh, about $375 billion just last year, and about 65% of the total U.S. trade deficit. So that seems to be the focus of the president. And the president, uh, President Trump, tends to view trade deficits almost as a theft. Uh, he has this uh, this view of it um, that is, I think, many economists would disagree with, as, as, as do I personally. Now that said, um, it, I don't believe that the United States is yet fully focused on the China trade issue. As we as we speak, you know, the United States is renegotiating NAFTA. Uh, there is an understanding with Mexico, and it appears that there may be an agreement with Canada in the not-too-distant future. Once the NAFTA renegotiation is complete, and actually I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic that we may get to a better place. There's been a lot of damage done along through this process in relationships with our friends and allies, both in North America as well as in Europe. But we may actually end up at a, a, a reasonable place. Once NAFTA is complete, then I believe the United States will focus um, more thoroughly on China. And the question on China is this, is the focus going to be on the trade deficit or will it be on intellectual property protection, coercive technology transfer, uh, or you know, simply granting greater investment access for American companies into China, which is something I think many of us, uh, both in North America and in Europe and Scandinavia, uh, are very much uh, interested in. Mr. LQ said earlier that China seems to be more ready to strike a deal than, than the U.S. Um, well, um, regarding what you said about the president and his relationship to, to China, what would you think? Well, I, I don't believe that China would like to strike a deal with the U.S. before the November midterm election. I've often felt that the Chinese have a much... Uh, a higher threshold for pain than do the Americans. Uh, you know, in, the, in the U.S., as in Europe, we have you know democratic systems where those who are affected by trade, you know, will contact their representatives and they will scream very loudly about the pain and the impacts and the consequences of uh, of trade wars. In China, it's an authoritarian regime, and I think they are in a better position to withstand um, you know that type of public pressure. However. Uh, in many respects, uh, while there are no winners in a trade war, it seems that China has more to lose uh, than the United States. So I do think China wants to uh, resolve this, but after the midterms where the Republicans are expected to lose seats significantly in the House and the Senate could go either way, uh, that I think that the Chinese might feel that they have better leverage with the Trump administration after the midterm rather than before. So, Mr. Dent, what is your advice, your message to your fellow DLA Piper colleagues in China and in the Nordics in this tense situation? I would say to them all to pay very close attention uh, to uh, these this next round of tariffs that the president has proposed. Uh, he's talked about another $200 billion dollars uh, of uh, tariffs that could be imposed uh, in, in, in mid-September. I would also tell the DLA partners and all those listening 
uh, listen to your clients. Um, if there are uh, there, you have clients, and uh, let's talk about Europe and the United States, for example. You know, maybe in Europe there might be some benefit to this trade war in the short term, anyway, uh, to this American-China uh, rift on trade. You know, the Chinese might end up sourcing some things they can to Europe rather than the United States, so they can uh, escape the tariffs. Uh, it's not uh, ideal, but so you can see that as a benefit if you're a, if you're in Europe. If you're an American, uh, a, a DLA partner in America, you have clients uh, that you need to you know, advocate for in terms of getting exemptions from these tariffs. And of course, the DLA in Washington, that is one thing we are doing very effectively. We're very, we're very good at doing things on CFIUS work, uh, that's the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. Sanctions work, and we're also very good at dealing with these tariff exemptions or exceptions. So listen to your clients. Try to help them to the greatest extent possible to escape these tariffs. Um, and again, in Europe, it might be different. You might see some opportunity in the short term uh, to source some things instead of uh, bad for America. It could be good for Europe in the short term. But long term, I think we all agree. Uh, that no one wins in a, in a trade war. Thank you very much, Congressman, for being with us on this podcast. My next guest is Mr. Kjetil Johansson, part of DLA Piper International Trade Law and Sanctions Team and a former trade agreements negotiator for the EFTA countries based in Geneva, Switzerland. Since 2009, a partner in DLA Piper Norway. Well, some good advices uh, from Washington there, Kjetil? Yes, indeed. Um, very good advices and uh, very interesting to hear all the, I would say, all the different perspectives on the trade war and uh, something that is uh, important in, in any kind of deal you make, any kind of deal you're going to strike, uh, you would have to understand all the differences coming into play. And I think uh, the discussion really has uh, summed up uh, those perspectives. So, uh, from your perspective, uh, what would it take to, to, to end the trade war? Trade war is really politics. So, um, I would say that... Uh, if there is political will, there will be an end to it. It really will have to be consented will of the relevant governments involved. The Trump administration will really need to do that. Uh, so does uh, the administration in China. And uh, it's been interesting to hear who is ready, most ready to strike a deal. Um, I'm not sure. On this podcast, we have uh, discussed uh, the topic from a Chinese perspective, from a U.S. perspective. How would you sum up the discussion? I would say that um, in in trade war, it's uh, it's never anything good in it. Uh, we had a discussion about some short-term benefits. I think uh, Peter uh, from Sweden uh, referred to some short-term benefits. In my world, as I see it, trade war is only deteriorating. It's never any good. And I very much agree with Charlie that in, in a trade war, no one really wins. What are your biggest concerns regarding the, the current situation? Well, short term, it's about uh, escalating the trade war. It will have to escalate. Uh, we know that there is a new round of um, tariffs coming into play. Um, it will get worse before it can become better. And when it becomes better, uh, something else will come into play. And for businesses, these kind of things are always obstructive. They are never good. You need to... Uh, redo your whole value chain. You need to rethink what you're doing, where you source from, where you ship to. And uh, from a Nordic perspective, all being very open economies, heavily reliant upon exports and imports, the US, the China and the EU being the largest trading partners, this is nothing good for us. 
Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Kjetil Johansen. Also thanks to Peter Neslund from Sweden, Martin Lavesen from Denmark, Mr. Charlie Dent from Washington, and Mr. LQ from China. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Lawcast from the Nordics. My name is Erik Wolf.